Welcome to a special segment of Narratives and Nightcaps. You're listening to Narratives in the News. We're talking about narrative or novel-related things making headlines. I'm Bree. And I'm Megan. All right. Got some interesting things to talk about today. Um, I'm going to kind of kick it off with, like, not happy Super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but then we're going to bring her back up to some lighter things to round it out so you know just gonna start with the bad stuff so that we can end on a happy note I like it gotta have the good with the bad of course but and I just felt like this was important to recognize it for sure is um and I even have something kind of not related but I wanted to add that's like even local to my area in the same vein as this so Oh, I'll okay. let you kick off. Okay. I'll try not to go too, like, political with it. Yeah. I'll do my best. It's hard not to, but, yeah, try try your best. <laughs> Stay neutral. Yes. Um, I will say, though, so this is, like, pretty on par with there's a lot of news right now around banned books and impact on libraries and librarians in, like, many locations, But this is going to focus on some stuff that's been happening in Missouri recently. And most of my information was pulled from a PBS article, although there are many from many different outlets out there that you can definitely read to get information. And to be honest, it does kind of send you on a rabbit hole once you get to one because there are a lot of different layers and things going on. So In April, Missouri's House voted to cut all funding for libraries in the 2024 state budget. Thankfully, that was restored by the Senate Appropriations Committee, but libraries in that state will still have to follow a new set of rules in order to receive that funding. So that funding that pays for like the staff and the materials and other things that you need or that you would typically expect to find at a library and also in order to keep it actually running. Um, And some of that's also from the Kansas City Beacon, which I have that linked as well. And those rules go into effect May 30th. So like right around the time that this um, episode is coming out. Um, That being said, so like Good news that it didn't get cut or isn't expected to be cut, but basically all of these underlying arguments that are happening indicate that this discussion is far from over. The bigger thing, though, that I wanted to talk about rather than get too political, like I was saying, is to just recognize like how important libraries are for a variety of reasons. Um, in addition to providing reading materials, because that's what you initially think of. You're like, oh, the library, I go there to get books. But the reality is, is that people go there for a whole host of reasons. Um, one, I'll say timely, like hello, summer reading programs for kids getting out of school, yeah. is that most libraries offer so many different programs for all ages. I mean, and they from, are free and they free, are free. Yes. Free for your for your infant, for your toddler, for your tween, for your teen, for an adult, like all sorts of programs and book clubs and things that you can do for free for you to go do or keep your kids entertained or help them stay educated, help them learn anything. Um, On top of that, like they do provide jobs, obviously, in order to have a library, you have to have 
library staff <laughs> and job seekers. Like this is another thing that so many people take for granted. So if you live in a populated area, you just have this expectation now of internet access. Um, and I get that like totally guilty of that. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it is a privilege. And for many rural communities, residents rely on their local library for internet access, including but not limited to like when they want to search for a job, if they need to get work done and don't have internet access at their home, then they go to the library to do that. Um, if you have students that need to submit schoolwork but don't have internet access at home, they can go to their library to do that for free. Okay, so quote, sorry, I'm getting like really irritated because it just makes me really mad. Um, so this is a quote from the PBS article. In Missouri, 20% of the population, more than 1.26 million people do not have high access to high speed internet. That is a lot of people. That's a lot. And that's one state. And I get it's not the majority, but that is a lot of people. And this is a free resource for them. So library locations often as well provide like a variety of other services. This can sometimes include passport services, voter registration, and even more according to this PBS article. Uh, or rather than dive into the back and forth that's really been happening, feel free to read like the full article because it does talk about that. And then you can draw your own assumptions as to that. I'm gonna stay neutral on that. Um, I really just wanted to say like, be supportive of your libraries, be kind to librarians, and recognize that libraries and librarians do so much more than you actually realize. 100%. And yeah, I feel like I could get real heated about this, but I won't. But I will also add on, I mean, not just like the programs and opportunities there, but like libraries are sometimes the most communal space to meet for like Alcoholics Anonymous meetings for sometimes church groups or like other children's school programs outside of just, you know, educational materials will meet in these public spaces because it is a safe place. It is somewhere that people can go that need those resources. And like you said, I mean, a lot of those communities don't always have internet access. So what a great place to go and learn or go print something off or you just do whatever you need to do. Like, I just there's so much more that a library does than just be a building in your community. It is it's right. a centerpiece of a community. No, those are all really good points. I know other organizations and businesses that don't necessarily have an actual office space for their employees. And when they do need to get together or need to meet with other team members, they'll do that in libraries because mm -hmm it's a good space to do that. They typically have like a dedicated room or area that you can use with access to technology and printing and things. So if you need to present something in a group setting, they do so much more than just like house books right. for people. Um, and like shout out to all of the really amazing librarians that we've talked to or corresponded with who have been so kind with us to us with the podcast and everything. And I don't I don't think they get the credit that they deserve. Agree, 100%. And the the little thing I was going to add on kind of just speaking to libraries and banned books and all of this, frankly, stupid shit that's going on right now that I don't even know why this is 
a topic in our community in our country, but whatever. Um, the Des Moines Library, where I'm located, actually hosted, I thought this was really cool. Um, they hosted recently two local drag queens to read to a ton of children came with their families banned books like specifically they read banned books in full drag they were beautiful it was an awesome turnout and it made the local newspaper because there needs to be a lot more spotlight on the good things that are happening there to counter a lot of the hatred and just ignorance that's going on and i mean ignorance even including the fact that like people don't think libraries are important like that's just that's just dumb. <laughs> it's super childish. Some yes. of the reasons behind all of this, or at least from what we've been able to see, it is honestly like kind of silly that some of these conversations are really happening. Um, speaking of banned books, though, so the bookstore that I was just in this past weekend, um, they had like a whole section. I took a picture of it for banned books. And yes. even then, looking closer at some of them I was like I can't believe that this is actually a banned book what yeah. is happening yeah the the article I'm referencing um it they so they obviously drag queen queens read three children's banned books and I, I like looked further into the books and I'm like why like what content for a child does this somehow trigger people like I don't know I'm just like what is going on like why would this even need to be removed from a school or a library to begin with? You know, of all the problems that we actually have in the world and in this country, <laughs> is this really useful for us to argue no. about? <laughs> My answer is no. <laughs> Other people's so, answers are maybe. <laughs> right. So there's our... Uh, kind of opinion on all of that. Yep. <laughs> and honestly, like, whatever way, whatever your perspective is, like, come on now. Like, just support your library and cutting their funding is a bit outrageous. Not a yep. bit outrageous. It is outrageous. So we'll leave it at that. And now we'll tell you happier things while you stew on that information. Yeah. Yeah. You can get heated in your own way as well about that. But definitely do some research first. Don't just, don't be ignorant. That's the line of the day. <laughs> okay, my headlines are a lot happier. And, um, and they're kind of the, the fun, fluffy stuff that you would love to hear. So um, the first headline is from um, USA Today, and it is the, their title is, quote, Best Book to Screen Adaptations of 2023. So these have not been released yet, but are coming and I'm pretty pumped, um, especially about one of them. A few of these, so there's five. A few of these I have not even heard of, but after reading this article, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty interested in learning about it. So the very first one is All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr. I think doer doer, um, which we've definitely talked about all the light we cannot see, I think a few times at this point in various episodes. So that's really exciting. Um, obviously the setting takes place during occupied France, World War II, um, two very different main characters face 
the most unfathomable, unfathomable, wow, it's a hard word, circumstances. They are children that this book is about. Um, and yet they are connected in some way. And there's a little bit of like, I don't know, shock, surprise. I felt a little shocked toward the end of the book. I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Um, so this will be turned into a series, not a film, a series that is set to release in November starring Mark Ruffalo. Um, I think we're all pretty familiar with Mark Ruffalo's work. Um, the people like, we're not as familiar with is Aria, Aria Mia Liberti. I'm sorry, I just butchered her name. And this is her first role ever. Like this is her first acting debut role. So this will be, I'm sure she's done a lot of other local, maybe smaller scale things, but this will be her first big on screen. So very excited to see her. And then um, Lars Edinger, who is Brie from Babylon Berlin. I don't know what character, but he's in there. <laughs> I've been watching, so I should probably pick him out. But um, I just watched the trailer for this like yesterday, Thoughts maybe two feeling? days ago. I'm so excited. I mean, I think, yeah, agreed. The When I got to the ending of this, definitely a surprise element. But mm. I thought it was like such a beautiful story. Oh, and yeah. I'm way excited for this. Um, I did not see, uh, maybe I just glossed over it. I did not see where it was released. Netflix. Netflix. Okay. I'm like 98% sure. Okay. The other ones, I think I do have noted where they will be releasing or if they're a series or a film. So that's awesome. I have not seen the trailer yet, but definitely need to get on that. Okay. The next four books, um, and one of the books is actually, it will be a show based on a series of books as I said, not as familiar with, but I'm getting pretty excited. Um, so one of them is A Haunting in Venice, which is an adaptation of Agatha's Christie, Agatha Christie's Halloween Party, which I have not read, but Agatha Christie is a big murder mystery novelist. Um, and this is set to release in film September of 2023. And this will follow the same series if you're familiar with Death on the Nile or Murder on the Orient Express. So this is a um, Hercule Poirot uh, is the detective. And that that same actor who's been playing him in those other two films will continue the same role. Oh, very cool. Yes. So that one will be coming out. Um, then Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Um, is also set to come uh, Prime Video, August of 2023. And it's an LGBT romance novel that is centered around two high-profile men in two high-profile countries, the U.S. and the U.K., and they find love and romance. So that will be coming uh, to Prime Video. I haven't read this book, but I do know that it's been super popular on yes. BookTok, Bookstagram. So... I have a feeling a lot of people will be excited about that one when it comes out. I was I was thinking the same thing. I haven't read it, but I know I, I like recognize the cover right away. Yeah. So it's everywhere. <laughs> um, the fourth book is Eileen by Otessa Moshfeg. I don't know how you pronounced G-H at the end of something. <laughs> Moshfeg. 
Um, there has been no set date on the release of this one, but it will be a thriller starring Anne Hathaway and Thomason McKenzie. Um, Anne Hathaway, again, someone I'm familiar with, Thomason McKenzie, not as familiar with. Um, and her, she can be seen in roles in um, the movie Jojo Rabbit, the film Old, and also Last Night in Soho, which I've seen Jojo Rabbit in Old, but not last night in Soho. Um, and Eileen of this book is a secretary at a men's prison and her life is changed by a new therapist on the ground. So this is supposed to be kind of a thriller suspense-esque movie. Okay. Okay. And then the last one is Silo. So this is the one based on a series of books by Hugh Howie. Um, the books are called Wool, Shift, and Dust. Um, this will be streaming on Apple TV, and it has a pretty big cast. Um, I was kind of surprised about. So it stars Rebecca Ferguson, who I know her from The Greatest Showman. She plays Jenny Lind, who sings my favorite song from that movie, <laughs> um, along with Tim Robbins, Rashida Jones, Common, and Chinaza Uchi. God, I just like these names. I just can't. I'm so sorry to you people. <laughs> um, so the setting for this book is post-apocalyptic, um, but the surviving society is living in this underground silo. So they're like an underground community in there somehow. Um, and residents begin to mysteriously die while an engineer uncovers what is really happening within their current living situation I am so intrigued I'm very intrigued by like I'm I, it's making me want to read these books because I'm almost picturing like a um I don't like a handmaid's tale but also maybe some of the um oh my god what is the series called <laughs> the nightingale the um no not the night the mockingbird mockingjay whatever those are hunger games hunger games thank you thank you yes i'm like picturing a combination of that somehow but also maybe like modern day i don't know i don't know seems interesting for sure yeah it does i agree so more uh you can read more in depth on that we'll provide the link but that's again from usatoday.com um and then my third headline another fun one are um, exciting summer releases. So, uh, and this will be of books. So the site realsimple.com has released a 20 must read book collective that will be coming out this summer. Um, so while you're out and about or chilling by the pool, here are some hot books, <laughs> pun intended, that you should be picking up. Um, so this site, uh, the realsimple.com has it broken out into like May, June, July, August. So I'm just going to read off a few of the titles from each month. So May includes um, the books That Summer Feeling by Bridget Morrissey, Yellow Face by R.F. Kuang, and a Tom Hanks release called The Making of Another Major Motion Masterpiece, which is a mouthful. So thanks for that, Tom Hanks. I like the title. <laughs> The books, um, the three books that I just listed there, uh, they range from like a post-World War II cartoonist, that's the Tom Hanks book, 
to a summer camp for adults. That's the that summer feeling book. And then um, the last book is uh, the yellow face. It's kind of a, from what I've gathered, it's about someone who finishes the work of someone else, but tries to pass it off as their own and like a lot of scandal and backlash around that. Um, so I said, May might almost be over, but these books will pack a punch for the end of your month. Wait, so is Tom Hanks's book fiction? It sounds like it. It might be. I did not know for sure based on the description. We can look yeah. that up. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Okay, carry no, on. No, that's okay. I, yeah, I should have done more research and alas, I did not. Okay, June releases. Um, if you are a thriller fan, Ruth Ware's latest novel, I love Ruth Ware. Um, her new novel is called Zero Days, and that releases June 20th. Um, and then a, a second book coming out in June is called Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hilderbland. Um, and it's a it's about a girl's trip dream until it isn't. And the cracks of the past come wide open. Dang, June sounds like an awesome month. Yeah, June sounds real fun. Um, I will say, like, I feel like there's almost there's a thriller and some sort of like rom-com or other book happening every month which is awesome um july releases so uh megan collins another thriller writer has released a book called thicker than water coming out in july wanderlust by l everhart and tropicalia by harold rogers all round out the month of july um, i didn't put in a ton of detail about these but just based on the covers alone I, they seem real fun <laughs> And then finally, August, um, this one I thought was really interesting. Uh, there's a book titled Canary Girls by Jennifer oh, Chavarini. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do this. Jennifer Chavarini. Um, and it is, I believe this is also fiction-based or a nonfiction-based work. Um, about so I think we've all heard of like the canary in the mine shaft kind of thing and that's basically the the premise of these women are mine shaft workers and so they're called canary girls um, so it's based during you know a long time ago <laughs> and then, and then uh, the thriller coming out in August is a Lisa Jewell novel who I also really enjoy her writing and it's called none of this is true so overall, summer is full of everything from rom-com to thriller to historical pieces that will keep you engaged and fill up your summer cup as you relax by the pool, knowing summer is just beginning. There are like several that I... I know, I want to pick up a lot of these. <laughs> need to get, need to get. Well, thanks for rounding out our headlines with much happier headlines. Yes, thank you. Thanks for putting this together. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for this month's narratives in the news join us next time for another round of headlines cheers cheers thanks for listening music for this podcast was created by remington haynes join the conversation by emailing us at narratives and nightcaps at gmail.com or visit our website narratives and nightcaps.com until next time we hope you're enjoying a wonderful narrative